They might not have capital or revenue, but if they really want it, they'll find the money, right? Mm, no, I don't think so. I'm not in the business of taking anyone's last pennies, and you probably aren't either if you're listening to this podcast. So what's wrong with pitching people who are new in their business, who don't have capital or revenue? Let's get into it. Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Defiant Business Podcast, and I'm your host, Ruthie Bowles, founder of Defy the Status Quo, a branding and marketing consultancy. This podcast is for the business owners and professionals who have seen the status quo in their industry and are ready to do things differently. We're here for the contrarians, mavericks, and rebels. On the Defiant Business Podcast, we'll talk about marketing, sales, client and customer experiences, finances, and amazing entrepreneur journeys that show that none of us are alone. Thank you for joining me. Hey there, hey there. Welcome back to another episode of the Defiant Business Podcast. I'm your host, Ruthie Bowles, founder of Defy the Status Quo, and we have another question episode today. Should you pitch prospects who don't have capital or revenue? And you're like, I don't know. Is there something wrong with pitching people or businesses that don't have capital, revenue, or a budget? <laughs> well, well, <laughs> I will say that it doesn't make good business sense to pitch people who don't have money, right? But where things get a little manipulative, bite model, cult coaching is that the pervading belief in the entrepreneurship industry, in the coaching and consulting industry, seems to be to push and tell people, quote, unquote, find money. And you're like, Ruthie, really? Find money? Maybe you're not familiar with it. Or maybe you're like, mm-hmm, that's exactly what they teach in. Yeah, okay, so you're either probably on one side or the other of that. So if you're unfamiliar, they're actually long Facebook group threads about this very topic of overcoming objections, right? Like I've objections. I've seen, you know, in Facebook groups, they'll say, oh, you know, once you anchor the pain points and do this and do that, you know, you'll be surprised at how people can find the money, right? And so they will post the question in these groups, like, how do you overcome the objection of this costs a lot of money? Now, I want to be clear before we dive into some of these quotes that I've pulled from Facebook groups, that I've pulled from old sales scripts that I got from that bro marketing program that I was in. I want to be clear that there's nothing wrong with preparing for objections, right? And like it's just like here in this content, right, that I'm creating. It can help your audience become more educated about what it is that you do. So if in my content I talk about how, let's say, okay, let's say, that, okay, because somebody asked me this this weekend, let's say I offer sessions to help people pick the right coach or to think critically and in an emotionally intelligent fashion about a coaching program or a consulting program or a service provider that they're considering. They want to schedule a critical thinking and emotional intelligent session with me so that way I can help them think critically about this decision they're trying to make, right? And I tell them, okay, this is how much it costs for this session, right? Let's say it's like, you know, a three-figure amount or whatever. And they're like, that's expensive. Then they probably haven't gone through my content to know that making the wrong decision with a coach, consultant, or service provider will cost you 
way more than, let's, let's say it's a couple hundred dollars, right? For a 90 minute critical thinking session, let's say. So let's say there's that. Okay, but if you make this wrong decision, right? You could be out $5,000. You could be out $10,000. You could be out $50,000. Like we don't know, right? So that is a way that I could overcome objections. And that's just something that came now. It wasn't even in my script. And I just added it on the fly. But that is a way that I can overcome objections with my content, i.e. like preparing for the potential that someone may think that that's expensive. Well, is it expensive compared to you getting ready to spend $5,000 or $10,000 or $20,000 with this program, business, coach, whatever, without giving it a serious like due diligence and, and digging into it? Is it expensive then? Right. So that is different. That is different than some of what I'm going to share with you, because I think that nine times out of 10, these overcoming objection strategies are actually just cover ups for a coach, a consultant or service provider who hasn't done enough work to actually establish the value of what it is that they do. Yep, I said it. I think I believe that nine times out of 10, this type of manipulation on a sales call is due to the fact that the coach, consultant or service provider isn't super clear on what value that they offer. So they need to manipulate and overcome objections this way because they haven't figured it out yet. Of course, my advice then is go figure that shit out. But anyway, <laughs> okay, so let's say one of the objections is this is expensive. This is a quote I'm quoting. Okay, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna read it. I'm gonna use one of my audiobook narrator voices. I'm gonna do my man voice. Are you guys ready? <laughs> okay, so you're like, you know, this sounds good, but it's it's a lot of money. This is really expensive. I don't know if I can do this. This is expensive. I, I totally agree with you. This costs a lot of money and it is probably a lot for you. But this is exactly why you should do it, because by investing into this, you would be able to grow your business. And next time you need to purchase something that costs X amount of dollars. It wouldn't be much money for you. Yeah. So that is an actual quote I pulled from a Facebook group that I'm in. I've left a lot of these Facebook groups. And so I was actually kind of disappointed that I didn't have like a plethora of Facebook groups to pull from. But when you're in those groups, they tend to pitch you a lot. Another tactic is uh, leaving no time to think, right? No time to think. So critical thinking, right? And being emotionally aware of yourself, that requires space and time. What you don't need is somebody yammering in your ear trying to get you to make a decision right now. Right. But that's the ploy. Right. So let's say your objection is I need to think about this. So I'm going to use my man voice again because I took this one from the bro marketing sales script. Um, you know, this that's why I take the time to get on these calls. I'm here right now to help you make an empowered decision while you still have me on the phone. What questions or concerns do you still have that are unanswered? Right. And so now they're trying to get you to dive deeper and voice these fears, voice these concerns, all things that they're going to be using against you. But they're not giving you any time to think. And when I say I need time to think, that means I don't want to talk to you anymore. You've told me what I need to know. And now I need to go think about it. I need to, I don't know, go through my <laughs> my critical thinking uh, workbook. So that way I can decide if this is the decision I want to make. Now, this one was on this next quote that I'm using for the leaving no time to think. I pulled off of a, a woman professional's blog. So she goes, imagine they've told you that it is now or never. They need to be getting their business up and running now because they're running out of money. 
or they're stressing out at their job so much they can hardly take it anymore. And then in the end, they tell you, you know what? I have to think about it. I have to sleep on it. Now is not the right time. It really just seems a bit silly. So your response might be, you just told me how urgent this is for you. And now you're saying you have to think about it. Tell me more. Tell me why that is. Bitch, I don't want to talk to you anymore. <laughs> like if you do this to me, like I, I, I am a, I am an impulsive person. That is something my own emotional intelligence assessment has told me. I know that about myself. So I've put things in place. So I will meditate on things. I have my workbook that I run all my problems through. If I'm considering a coach or a, consult or a, coach or a consultant, I've got an actual like framework that I use that I run the program through and I answer these different questions and research. It, it's a framework. It helps me actually take a shortcut, right? In a way, because critical thinking takes work. But if the questions are already there on the paper, then that gets rid of a lot of the work. So I need to do that. And what I'm not going to do is do it while we're on the phone. I'm not going to do it while we're on the phone. So another thing that they'll do to overcome objections is shaming. Shaming is another thing that they'll do, right? So, and again, remember, this is like somebody who's like, oh, this is expensive. I don't have this in my budget. I don't know. So that's very relevant to the question here. Like, should you pitch prospects who, who don't have capital or revenue? If any of these, if any of these are part of your approaches and you think it's, I'm coaching them through the decision, no. That is not your responsibility. They did not ask you for that. And even if you do that bullshit where you're like, oh, well, do I have permission to offer you some coaching? Shut up. Let this person stand in their agency. Let them with their sense of agency make this decision. Let them be responsible for this decision, even if that decision is not to move forward with you. Y'all talk about weaponizing silence. Yep, that was in the bro marketing script. Teach you how to weaponize silence. You know what? Screw you. I'm not using weapons against my clients. If they need space to talk it out, I'm here. That's cool. They ask me a question. I'm here. That's cool. Shaming is another approach that they'll take. So you said, you know, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to do this. I need to think about it. Right. And, and then they go, well, let me ask you this. Is this something you really want to do? Because if it's not a good fit, that is OK, too. But the thing is, is that they're they're talking like, is this something you really want to do? So you're like, hey, let me think about it. Let me take some time. And they're like, is this something you really want to do? And you're like, oh, no. And so that's your thing. Like, no, yeah, I absolutely want to do it, right? And so another thing that they'll say might be, okay, so you shared with me throughout the call that this is exactly what you need to do to move forward. So tell me, how is it that you're going to afford to continue without it, right? And so now they're starting to get twisty. They're starting to get twisty with you, right? And it feels like, oh, this is a perspective shift. And it is in a way, but it's a very, it's a very, mm, what's the word I'm looking for? It's a very structured by them perspective shift. It's not a wide open perspective shift, right? And then also there's a logical fallacy built right into this, the black and white logical fallacy. So, so again, like you shared with me throughout the call that this is exactly what you need to do to move forward. How is it that you're going to afford to continue without it? Maybe I'm not going to continue without it, but maybe I'm not moving forward with you. So the implication built into this and built into these questions is you have two choices. And the fact of the matter is, is you have way more than two choices. You know how many coaches, consultants, and service providers there are out there? You got way more than two choices, like way more. But their questions, it's built around the logical fallacy of black and white. You got two choices and, and you don't. And so this last one I'll share, they're weaponizing hopes and dreams and pain points against you, right? So if you're like, oh, you know, right now is not the right time. Let's say that's your objection. And then they go, oh, 
you know, do you mind if I ask you a question about that? When will be a good time for you to start putting the things you said are most important to you into your life? Ugh. Right? Because before this, they, they anchor into the hopes and dreams. They get really crystal clear about the pain. So that way it's fresh for you. So they can make you feel it. And, and the thing about emotions and the brain is that even when you're remembering something, you feel the emotions. When a memory, your brain doesn't really distinguish between a memory and what's happening right now. So when they have you recall it and they ask you to get vivid detail about how painful this is for you or how wonderful your life will be, they want you to see it, smell it, taste it. That's because they are then going to use it against you later in the call if you have any objections. Right. And so this is the last one of the last great quotes by great. I mean, terrible coming out of the script would be, OK, well, how will you know when it's time to start doing and having the things in your life that you just told me were important? See, stop it. Stop it. Don't get twisty with people. That's what I feel like it's called. Like you're like doing these weird contortions and stuff. Don't get twisty with people. I'm not saying that that's a terrible question. But you are asking that question with the idea of funneling directly to one answer. This isn't a safe space that you've created where all answers are welcome. So let's just throw that out there right now. That's why I have struggled. Like I have a problem with these questions that they ask when you have an objection. Like if I say I need to go talk to my husband, you better leave me alone. Oh, well, when are you going to talk to him? Oh, we should have had them on the call. Can your husband? No. I'm going to go and talk to him about it because it gives me an opportunity to critically think. We don't both need to be here. And then I will let you know because I have my sense of agency. I am fully responsible for the decisions I choose to make. And I want to go talk to my husband. I want to sleep on it. And I want to meditate on it. Get some. <laughs> like, come for me. Because if you push me after I've said that, I am not working with you 100%. Okay, so... Honestly, so the question of today's episode, should you pitch prospects who don't have capital or revenue? And we know a lot of business coaches are out here targeting new coaches, new consultants, new business owners, whether product or, or service, like they are at her tar targeting new people because as a new business owner, a new entrepreneur, you feel the pain of how much you don't know, coupled with your lack of confidence in your ability to make good decisions coupled with your lack of confidence in your ability to learn and be successful, they take advantage of that. So this question highlights the delicate balance of what the client or prospect is responsible for versus what the coach or consultant is responsible for. So if you're creating the type of environment that includes the overcoming objections bullshit that I just told you about, you're not creating an environment where this person can make a good decision. You are creating an environment that heavily skews toward one decision, the one that you want. And you're responsible for the environment that you create when you're on these calls. The prospect enters and they may not be aware of these approaches, so they don't realize that what they should probably do is hang up on your manipulative ass. I'm not sure when this episode turned into like this hate letter to these spammy people, but here we are and I'm gonna just keep rolling with it, <laughs> right? So if you create an environment that's heavily skewed toward one response, you're responsible for that. You're responsible for this client paying you, not doing well, you're responsible for that. That's your fault. So if I tell a client how much my services cost and we've talked about, okay, this is how I could fit in. I've explored what success looks like for them. And I am certain, right, that I've done my due diligence to assure fit 
and they want to move forward, how they acquire the funds to do so is not my responsibility. Like if they, if I say, okay, so this is how much it costs. And they're like, okay, when can we start? And I'm like, you know what? We can start. This is when the next cohort starts or whatever. And they're like, great. How can I pay you? You know, do you want to use a credit card? Like I can ask that. Like, how do you want to do that? Right. And they're like, yeah, yeah, I'm ready. Or like, can I, you know, let me send me an invoice and I can wire and send me an invoice right here. And then I can, I can put in my account and stuff and I'll pay it. Right. And we're on the phone and they want to do that. Like, cool. That's not my responsibility. That is how they chose to acquire those funds. Right. Now, I've asked questions to do my due diligence, and I'm going to share some of those with you here in a minute. But how, where, what bucket of money they choose to pull from, what account they choose to pull from, credit card, loan, whatever it is, that's not my responsibility. However, if during our call they express anxiety or stress over the fee amount, my job isn't to push. My prospect may need a few questions from me, but I shouldn't be, quote unquote, coaching them to move forward with me. No. Moving forward with me may not be the best decision for a variety of reasons, many of which have nothing to do with me, right? Also, I'm not a financial expert. I don't have access to their books. I don't have access to their business back end. I don't know what their current level of expenses may or may not be, right? But this, is, this advice is common, right? Where the, the, the salespeople will tell you, like as a coach or consultant, like you can ask this question. This was also pulled from the woman blog. So let me put on my pretentious woman voice right now. Well... What are some possibilities for you? Do we have access to savings? Do we have money set aside for this? You could also ask if they have access to credit, investments, bank loans, family and friends, or private investors. There are also many different online funding sources, including PayPal, PayPal Credit, or BlissPay. And if they're open to those resources, you can step them through the application process right on the phone. Again, I don't know your credit score. I don't know what you're eligible for. I'm not going to counsel you to take money out of your 401k or your investment accounts to pay for this. Now, again, if this is a decision that you make, like you've already decided like, hey, this is what I think it's going to cost and I am willing to pull that money from this place. That's not my job to tell you not to. But if I'm here creating this environment where I've emotionally and mentally manipulated you and now I'm walking you through how to get a loan while we're on the phone, that seems a bit much. And you can check out episode 231 to learn why if a prospect has to dig this deep for money, then they may not be a good fit for what it is that you're offering. Because nine times out of 10, these like beginner business programs, the prices and stuff, it's absurd and it's not good. We're going to do another episode on uh, fee inflation. So this, of course, brings up a new question. What constitutes due diligence when vetting a prospect? Right. So episode 186 talks about the five growth phases of like a coaching, consulting or service business. Check that out. Know where your ideal prospect is in their business maturity. Right. And that episode tells you exactly why you should know that. So I'm not going to go into it here because I can see I'm already going to run over on time. But know how much of a budget they should have for whatever it is that you do. And this is going to tie to a future episode where we talk about fee inflation. Right. And then Assess the expected time commitment, if any, and talk to your prospect about that. Do they have whatever the amount of time is expected available to commit to this? Because if they're a busy CEO and a parent and maybe they're taking care of their parents or maybe they're taking care of animals or they do community service and stuff, you want to make sure that you're setting them up for success. So make sure they have the you know time expectations are laid out. Are there any foundational beliefs that they should have? So now we're kind of moving from you know logistics to more like psychological 
or psychographics. So in my case, you know, a belief in a higher power is definitely a good thing to have when you're working with me. Also, a focus on open mindedness, a focus on self-improvement and professional development. Like these are foundational things that prospects should have if they're considering working with me. And again, ask that question, is budget or revenue available for this? And you may not ask it this specific way. You may have other questions that you ask to kind of tease this out. Again, not not to be manipulative, not to price what you offer just beneath what you think they can bear, but to find out like, how is business for them? Is there consistent revenue? Did they take out a business loan independent of you? Did they take out a business loan to provide the capital needed to get this business up and going? That is completely different than you walking them through how to get a loan just to pay for your shit. Okay. And so the last thing I'm going to talk about is the increased exposure for your business. Exposure is not a good thing. I don't mean like PR exposure. I mean exposure to damage. Okay. So from a financial standpoint, pitching people who don't have capital or revenue or consistent revenue increases your exposure to unpaid payments. So payment plans can seem like a solution, but I've had people not finish paying for a program and ghost me probably because they felt shame around being unable to pay. So again, and I've said this a few episodes, I am not trying to cast shade, except for that part earlier where I got super mad. I was, I was casting shade. I'm not going to lie. But but if you're looking for a better way, if you're trying to do things differently, if you're trying to understand why these things are happening, I'm not casting shade on you. I'm, I'm trying. I'm not throwing shade. I'm casting light. Okay? Because like I said, I've had people not finish paying for a program. So I gave a payment plan, more than one, to people who could not afford the full price all at once. And then they weren't able to pay because they just, they weren't ready. And again, check out episode 231 about that because we kind of talk about why that may or may not be. And I don't want to extend this episode any more than I already have. But for a new business without financial resources, a high ticket program could really put their business in a bind. If due diligence is done and bad things still happen, i.e. pandemic, (laughs) You're not responsible. However, if this market is your target market, these new business owners who who may or may not have capital or revenue, then you may be selling unethically. You may be creating an environment that's heavily skewed towards one quote unquote correct decision, barring some type of objective standardized set of results that guarantee return on investment. You may be unethically selling. Yeah, I know. It's a lot. (laughs) But thank you so much for listening. And I hope you'll come back for another episode of the defiant business podcast (laughs) so do you have questions about client vetting or perhaps you have a system that works amazing and you have some tips to share do you have any other thoughts about targeting prospects who are very new in their businesses click the link in the show notes to ask your question share your tip or your thoughts No downloads are necessary and you may hear your question, tip or contribution in an upcoming episode. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others, post about it on social media or leave a rating and a review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Defy the Status Quo Biz and the link is in this episode's description. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.